Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube. Oh my God, Jeremy, it keeps getting longer and longer every time I do this. I say that every week, which it, it's, I mean, it's been about the same for about six months, so I'm not even sure why I keep kvetching about it, but I'm going to kvetch about it. What that, it's be. That, that intro was almost as long as a Green Bay Packers offensive drive. Ooh. Cool. <laughs> yep. Well, Lions blow this one, 31-24. And we are going to talk about it here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We also have some news and information about you for the Lions general manager search coming up later in the show. And obviously, me and Jeremy are going to talk about the health of Matthew Stafford. You watch this game. Suddenly, the warning lights are out once again for the for the Lions quarterback's health. Because, of course, it is. But we're going to start on the game. But first, I am Chris Perfett, your adequate host at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. And joining me, as always, the fearless leader at Detroit Online, Jeremy Reisman. Jeremy, how's it going? <laughs> Not too bad, you know. Um, it was a Lions-Packers game that that wasn't too painful. Um, probably was a little bit more competitive than I was expecting. But um, probably the end result that most of us were expecting um, and of course, it wouldn't be a Lions-Packers game without some uh, referee controversies. Everyone convention about the refs. We'll, yeah. we'll touch on a, at least a little bit here, but um, do we? Do we really need to? We're gonna. We have to. I it's Lions-Packers. It. Let's just talk about it. I um, hate it. By the way, my condolences to anyone who uh, took the over at fifty-five and a half in this game, <laughs> which is what I saw the total was about. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, very interesting where that line falls. Very interesting. But this game kind of had it all, Jeremy. We had blown up plays. We had pain, panic, uh, a Chase Daniel rushing touch- touchdown that was wiped out because of a holding penalty, which honestly felt like that that's the mundane world screwing with you there. We could have <laughs> had something very magical with that. Sure. We could have something very magical with the onside kick. That got blown up too. So I think that's kind of where you're officiating uh, although i think that was a good call as far as i was concerned i saw the ball hit the hit the out of bounds marker but yeah as you say game was competitive back and forth for both the green bay and detroit to start the half and ultimately what the difference was was a, was a touchdown by green bay in the third quarter the lions didn't have but the lions kept pace with the packers almost all throughout the entire day yeah and uh you saw some more aggressiveness from the Lions offense. They kind of let Stafford sling it. I mean, they, they barely ran the ball at all in this game, only threw it 15 times. They knew from the get-go the shootout was on, and that was that much was was clear really from the first possessions of the game. The Lions go out, immediately score a touchdown. The Packers come back with that big Devontae Adams play. They score a touchdown, and you're just like, all right, we're we're in for it. And um, you know, the the Lions did their part in in keeping it close. And in the first half, they got a couple consecutive defensive stops. And even had that 35 second drive at the end of the half to potentially take the lead. And that would have, you know, potentially changed things. And that's where <laughs> controversy number one pops up its head. Lines throw a Hail Mary. And uh, I can't remember the player who it was. Uh, got mugged pretty bad. Got boxed out from, from a Packers butt, essentially. Um, listen, I'm on, I'm on record many times saying I hate 40 50 yard penalties I hate pass interference being a spot foul so I can't be a hypocrite here and saying they should have thrown that the line should have had a free play at the one yard line with zero seconds on the clock 
they shouldn't have. I mean, if, if the Lions are relying on that kind of play to beat the Packers, then they're not good enough to beat the Packers. And yet, by the book, it was pass interference. I don't want that being called in today's NFL. I just don't. I don't want Hail Marys to... I mean, Hail Marys are supposed to be scrums. Everyone's supposed to be fighting for the ball. And it's not going to be super clean. If he's literally being torn down, then sure, call it. But I don't want a 50-yard penalty on a boxing out. And... Uh, I know some Lions fans probably don't agree with me that. With yeah, that. We're, we're talking we're talking about the Hail Mary near the end of the first half, by the way, in case you're like scrolling back through League Pass and trying to figure out where Jeremy is on this game. Yeah. So, yeah, no, but I mean, that's that's fine. Hail Marys are, are are wild cards anyway. It's it's always a matter of how flags even get thrown in the first place. I'm not going to get mad about that. Um, I found, again, some of the calls, especially... Some of the stuff that got wiped out was pretty brutal, but I didn't really find I really didn't find the officiating in this game as anything hyper egregious. Now, some of the fans I was hanging out with was acting like the Lions were just getting robbed left and right. But I think that's just what it is. Every time the Lions play the Packers, people are just going to be Lions fans are going to be more hypersensitive about any penalty thrown on the field. They're going to be they're keeping tally at home and they're keeping score on on penalties that are not they're not usually doing on other games. All right. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Qui bono. I don't know who benefits from the Packers, you know, the refs helping out the Packers or whatever. Like, I get it. But I'm I'm also like I'm trying to be realistic here about this. This is just I, I, I hate that I hate this narrative, Jeremy. I hate that every time we have a Packers game like this, where the Lions <laughs> lose close after a while, it's always about officiating this, officiating that. They didn't get that. They didn't get that. They they love Aaron Rodgers. They want to suck off Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, their god. They would oh that when Stafford yeah. got it. Oh, they'd throw a flag no on Aaron Rodgers for that. No one here believes in any sort of. I mean, the, in, the, in the chat, yes. Here, I'm talking you and me. Get Neuron the controversy bubble. crap out of here. I will yeah. say that missed call on Marvin Jones where he toe-tapped and was out on the one-yard line. I, I snapped a pretty darn convincing screenshot, and, and there's no Marvin, jo- Marvin Jones bobble. There's, I mean, you can see both of his feet toe-tapping on the ground at the, out at the one-yard line. The Lions do eventually score a touchdown on that drive, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they, they do, but two things happened after that was called incomplete. One is they ran an additional two minutes off the clock. The second was Matthew Stafford got injured. And so it's an unfortunate chain event. And, and yes, maybe, maybe Matthew Stafford does not get injured. If that they call that a catch. Yes. Maybe, maybe the lions have two minutes extra on the clock and, and are able to pull off a miraculous comeback. But in general, no one can watch this game and be like, Lions deserve to win that game. The Lions were the better team. Like they weren't. They deserve to lose. No, they, they, they didn't fell get it. They didn't catch they, any breaks, and and they they lost to a team that was clearly better than them. And so, I'm not going to waste too much time talking about all this. It's just it sucks that the Lions are where they are. But this is the team that we all knew that they were. No, so they, this, the season's this, over. They they the Packers were the better team, not by much in this game, but they had the better chances and they had the better shot and they had the better quarterback. At the end of the day, they had everything they needed. And for the Lions, really what really hurt them in this game is just watching some breakdowns on their defense. Uh, I think Amani Orwarie was kind of I, I don't know if we're going to be doing penthouse doghouse or did not have a good game. He got beat really bad a few times in the game, which I mean, that's going to happen. Um, I thought the Lions actually did a pretty decent job keeping Aaron Jones under control. Sure. He still had about 70 yards rushing, but I mean, You'll he did that. not. What you'll take that that, that's a win. That's a win against a guy like Aaron Jones, who's clearly becoming one of the best running backs in the league right now. One of the one of the top tier echelon ones, I would say, Um, you know, Devontae Adams, you can only do so much to contain that. But like, yeah, the secondary we've known the secondary is bad. They got beat and just it, it was frustrating a little bit. And I think the big story for me for the Lions is that as much as I think we've seen the defense improve with Daryl Bevel at the helm. Uh, it's clear that the defense is what we thought it was at the end of the day. And it's like some of these things are going to be hard to extract here. And guys are still going to play 10 yards off the man when it's like third and two. And all you need to do is stop them from getting a first down. But you're more concerned about giving up a big play 
at the end and they're just going to nickel and dime you to death. And that's what happened to the Lions on some of these drives. The Lions had played more aggressively on defense. They played closer to the line of scrimmage. They played closer to their man. I think we might have had a different outcome in this game. But I guess I guess if you're the Lions fan at home, I guess I would ask you, is that what you want right now? Because, yes, there is the outside chance that. I mean, we, we talked about this last week, right? Like, I'd rather see the Lions win a game, me personally. But if you're at home, I would ask you, like, with the outside chance of a playoff berth, which I don't think is going to happen for the Lions. No, it's over now. Or, or I mean, I, I was saying going into this game. Yeah, yeah. But, or, you know, taking down your divisional rival. Or if you're one of the, the tank guys, like, maybe you're happy that the Lions didn't win. I don't know. But let, let me go back to your other point about the defense, because, like, yeah. you're right. Like, the Lions were definitely playing uh, a lot of deep coverage, a lot of, like, Let's just not get beat on big plays. And to that point, it succeeded, right? They only gave up the one big play um, to Devontae Adams. I was going to, or Ari gave up like like two big plays. Yeah, maybe two. But in, in general, the Lions kept mostly everything in front of them. And what that afforded them was a lot of opportunities to get off the field. The Packers faced 11 third downs in this game, mm-hmm. but they converted eight. They converted yeah, eight yeah, of that's 11. What Aaron and that's do. your ball game. That's your mm-hmm. ball game because on third down, this team had no one absolutely no one to put pressure on Aaron Rodgers. And if, uh, if they, you know, they get tight coverage, if they bring everyone to the line, that's not going to work either because their corners are getting burned because they suffered yet another injury in the secondary with Daryl Roberts going down, which meant we, we saw a lot of Mike Ford towards the end of this game. He had one really, really good pass breakup on Devonte Adams on the very last play where the lines absolutely needed to stop Mike Ford ate, you know, just took the play action and ate it up for dinner and left a wide open receiver and and the Packers clinched the game. So the, 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 I think the Lions defense worked by design in terms of what they were trying to do. Again, limit their, their yardage on, on first and second down, get into those third opportunities and then just hold on for dear life on third down and hope something good happens. And unfortunately nothing good happened. The Lions really missed Everson Griffin in this game. They really missed Trey flowers in this game. And I mean, you, you just saw what happened. The, the Packers took every single yard they could get and it was enough. Yeah, but I think I think the Lions defense doing third down and distance and mid distance was I mean, that's the same playbook as what they did against the Bears. The difference is under center against for the Bears yeah. is Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. Under center for the Packers is Aaron bleeping Rodgers. Yeah. No, no, no need to throw the refs in there to uh, to explain what happened there. It's just that's the much better quarterback at the end of the day with the much better weapons in Aaron Jones and Devonte Adams and Marquez Valdez Scantling. They just have a good roster. They've got good weapons. And unless you are willing to attack the nerve center of that weapon, Aaron Rodgers, and get into the backfield and make a mess of Aaron Rodgers. Guess what? Devonte Adams, MVS, they're going to do damage to you. There's no way you can kind of contain that damage, even if your secondary was much better. Like they just it, it, they're they're going to burn you. <laughs> I wouldn't even call their secondary that good. I, I thought Orori had a had an awful game. Uh, Duran no, no, Harmon I'm saying if if, if, if the had. Lions if the Lions yeah. were better, but yeah, no, the secondary was bad here. Orori, as you were saying, terrible game for him. Yeah, and and it's a, it's a tough matchup for a second year guy, a fifth round. We 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 need to keep reminding ourselves that Amani Oruwari is a fifth round pick. I think a lot of yeah. people really hyped him up early in the season, and now we're seeing seeing him kind of go up against the number ones, go up against some good number twos as well. well because of injuries and, it's, it's and, and much ha- for him. yeah, because of injuries and how this roster has fallen apart, he has been forced to become yeah. your number one corner. And, and, and it is a trial by fire. Tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, I, I see some people in the chat talking about Jelani Tavai and I think I think we have to talk about Jelani Tavai in this game yeah I, I, just, I just again I, I want to really go real, really before we get into Tavai like I'm sorry man like again I I don't know what the Lions are going to direct where they're going to draft in the first round I am once again going to bang the table for the fifth year now every year since I've joined Pride of Detroit for some pass rushing zero sacks yep zero bleeping sacks against Aaron Rodgers and that's what I'm saying you're not attacking that nervous system so I can't help you. But yeah, let's let's talk about Tavai. What what did you see out of Tavai in this game? One one quarterback hit as well. So that's that's clearly not only enough. one. Yeah. 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 Um by Austin by comparison, Ryan. the the Packers had six quarterback hits and four sacks. So that's what a normal stat line should look like. Lions obviously, like I said, missing uh Everson Griffin and Trey Flowers. I think Lions game. fans just they've completely forgotten what an actual pass rush looks like. It's yeah. been over six years now since we've had a defense that could actually put pressure on a quarterback. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to beat up on the guy too much. It's just Jelani Tavai can't be in coverage. He can't like he can't be out there for a coverage play. And how many like how many linebackers are we going to give that tag to? Jared Davis can't be out there for coverage. Jelani can't Tavai can't be out there for coverage. Uh, Christian Jones can't be out there for coverage. Like, OK, well, someone has to be out there <laughs> and yeah, we're losing guys to the, the secondary. Job. And so it's just. The lines are running out of options, the defense, and we're running out of new things to say about the defense because it is what it is. I thought John Penasini had an okay game, uh, had a, a nice tackle for loss. Austin Bryant had a nice tackle for loss. But those guys aren't your every down guys, and unfortunately they have to be right now um, because Austin Bryant isn't bringing any pressure. Um, Romeo Quar was, was very, very quiet in this game. John Penasini is only a run stuffer, so you don't want him in there for, for passing downs. And Deshaun Hand has... He returned in this game finally from injury and went missing as he pretty much has all season. So talent's just not there defensively. And and the and the Packers, again, they didn't have a ton of explosive plays. And I think that's how the lines limited them to only 31 points. Um, but, you know, with an offense that just, you know, hits some dry spells here and there, that's not good enough. And and Matthew Stafford didn't play a perfect game. And, and Chase Daniels isn't Matthew Stafford. So. You're left with a 31-24 game that wasn't all that surprising. It was a lot of things we've seen out of both teams all year, and now you're left with a a Lions season that's essentially over, right? I mean, the the best they can be is 8-8. We have, what, the the Cardinals currently in the last playoff spot at... I want to say well, real quick before we get on to that, yeah. I, I don't I don't want to leave. I don't want to let the offense off the hook for this game either, because okay. no one really stepped up become, to become the real weapon on this. Like Stafford, after a 400 yard game, I wasn't expecting him to put up 400 yards against the Packers. But you look at some of the other teams who have been playing the Packers, even when they even when the Packers win, other teams have been putting up quite a bit of yardage on Green Bay and there was no, I look more to the receiving core right now, Jeremy. There was no yeah. one here who had a big step up day. Danny Amendola was your receiving yard leader on the day with 66 yards, but Marvin Jones made some impressive catches. I know he had a few wiped out by penalties, but not, not what was needed there. TJ Hawkinson uh, still has the fallen down problem. I, it's, <laughs> it's something I've noticed now and I just, I, I'm sorry, I can't let it go. Drop the um, pass or two too. Yeah, I feel I feel a little bad for I I feel a little bad for Quintez Cephas. I got a a text from one of my Philadelphia sports talk guys who asked me straight up. He he actually starts this this uh, text with brother brother. Do the Lions even like Cephas? Is he going to see more snaps at wide receiver? And uh, I I told him that Cephas was young and he was a deep threat, and I thought he would you know his usage would improve with Hall and and Galladay out, and unfortunately only two targets on this day. And, and, and I think to, I think one was I think he had one yeah. ball wiped out by a penalty again, a drop, yeah. a drop, a drop, wiped that, out. a drop yeah. wiped out. So actually technically improved in the box score. By yeah, that penalty you're right. The, and, and one thing that's confused me in, in consecutive weeks now is they go to Mohamed Sanu early in, in the game, picks up a, a big gain right off the bat on a third nine to, to keep that first drive alive. And then mm. nothing the rest of the way. He disappears the rest of the time. And I feel like you're right. Like there is some sort of flux happening right now with this wide receiver group where it's just like Stafford doesn't have a favorite target right now. He doesn't have a guy he gets in rhythm with in this game outside of TJ Hawkinson, outside of maybe Danny Amendola. But those are more like check down options or, or they're, you know, check down options. We, we, we've talked a lot blanket. about the Lions. The Lions like to spread the ball around. And yeah. sometimes that just doesn't work out to your favor. Sometimes you do need a guy or Kenny Gallagher. Like Kenny Galladay, or or even if Marvin Jones was going, was having the hot hand against Green Bay, that would have been fine too. But you need one guy to be going off. Yeah. So. It, well, this was always going to be a tough matchup too, because Jair Alexander, the, the the starting cornerback for the Packers, is, is one of the best oh, yeah, in the no. league. And so uh, it wasn't surprising to me to basically not see Marvin Jones until the second half of this game. No illusions going into this game. Absolutely. I just, you know, we, we want to, I think at this point, there's not much to say about the Lions other than the strength of their roster as it exists. And I think the question we have, you and me have going into this offseason is how much of this is actually, is there going to be actual talent that's buried on this team, buried because of the incompetence of Matt Patricia? Or how much are these guys just not good? Yeah. Or are like just not a fit for whatever they're trying to do right now. And how much turnover are we looking at in the months of free agency of the draft of the new of the new general manager? And again, we're going to talk about it at the at the end of the show. But I think I want to take a break here, Jeremy. When we come back in the Friday Detroit POD cast, uh, Stafford got hurt again. 
And once again, everyone's panicking. And I know you approach this with some doom and gloom to describe it, but I feel like that is it. Your, your fears are absolutely something shared among Lions fans. And it is basically how much more time again are we going to see Stafford taking snaps? We're going to update you on his injury and what that means for the rest of the season. But, you know, the season's in the tank anyway. But, you know, still, still, we, we got to know. We got to know. So take a quick break. Play some grab ass with our Twitch chat and our YouTube chat, where we are also streaming live on YouTube. And we'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. All right. Well, we're going to talk about the fear and panic and loathing lingering over Detroit now, which is, hey, once again, Stafford took a bad hit that has resulted in him uh, holding his head on the sideline, holding various parts of his limbs. I uh, I didn't see the injury. What so rib. what what all happened? Rib it's injury. A, it's was a rib, rib injury. Um, don't know. No exactly. availability after the game. Yep, he was not available after the game. Bevel basically said we don't have an update yet. Don't know if it's long term or anything. But basically, he took a shot on a yeah, scramble. Yeah, X rays right now. Yeah, yeah. Go um, on. Took a hit on a scramble immediately went to the locker room, came out, tried to test it on the sidelines, was clearly in too much pain, went out, back to the locker room, came out again, tried it again, and it didn't work, and so we sat the rest of the game. And now you're left with, well, a lot of uh, a lot of interesting storylines that, that we probably need to talk about. We need to talk about the fact that this could be, you know, that could be the last game of the season. Um, this could be the second season in a row. He's ended his season early with an injury. We know he's been dealing with injury after injury after injury. Mm-hmm. He's fought through most of them. It is piling up, yeah. It's but it yeah, it's piling up finger, hand, wrist, neck. And when back. you get older, that's harder to recover from those things too. The rec- yep, the recovery times are longer. And I mean, I mean, I, let's just let's just go out and say it. There is a small chance Matthew Stafford has already played his last game as a Detroit line, his last snap as a Detroit line. I don't think it is, but we do have to at least prepare ourselves for that possibility. Maybe by the time this this podcast drops on Monday morning, Adam Schefter throws something out. It's not considered that serious. Stafford just needed some rest, expected to play again. I would love for that news to be possible. And 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 hear that I'd love to wake up to that on a Monday morning. But there's a chance we don't. There's a chance that now that the Lions are almost certainly out of the playoff race, that there would be no point in putting him back in the game. Now, I mean, now's the time where we have to talk about his future, though. And, and again, this is a topic we're probably going to talk about ad nauseum between now and March when, you know, free agency starts and all that sort of stuff. But one kind of interesting thing that this throws into it is that, well, now who is trading for a 32, 33-year-old quarterback who's been injured relentlessly through the past four years, hasn't been able to finish a season in the past two years. And, and if they are willing to trade for a guy like that, and I I mean, I think he still has a ton of value. We see him out on the field and what he can do, 
but that certainly hurts his value and it certainly hurts the Lions' potential return. So in essence, does that now mean that he's actually more likely to come back because the Lions aren't likely to to recoup maybe a first-round pick or a first-round pick and change with a guy who potentially misses the last three, four games of, of the past two seasons, eight last year, maybe three or four in this game this year. Yeah. I, I always thought he was going to come back anyway, just, just for several reasons. One, I, I think there's not a lot of quarterbacks in this draft that I see the, the, the lions going after, like they're just not, um, I don't think Kyle Trask is really that good. We haven't even talked too much about the draft, but like once you get outside the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes with the, which the lions are not in, uh, it gets pretty threadbare pretty quick. You're going to see some names rise after the fact. But how many years have we seen that, Jeremy, where a name rises after the fact and then we find out that guy is just not that good. We're just, you know, faffing about trying to find something to do during draft season. So guys like hype up quarterbacks for no goddamn reason. Um, that's that's what's going to happen. So keep your eyes out for that. Don't fall for that in there. Lions also have to fix a lot of other pieces before they start thinking about the quarterback. I'm a big proponent of that. I don't believe you should draft a quarterback and then throw him into the fire like the Cincinnati Bengals did with Joe Burrow. I mean, obviously, you do take Joe Burrow if he's available, but you know, you, you the Lions have time for this rebuild. The other factor, too, is that, yeah, Stafford won't be as much of a dead cap hit next year in 2021 as he is right now but he's still going to be like 25 million against the dead cap owed 35 million against the cap like that's that that's going to matter for his trade value not everyone is going to be willing to break their cap to make that kind of move and whatever and if the lions are going to get a good that's going to put a premium on whatever kind of value you get back unless the lions eat more of that value I mean, it's um, it's a 19 yeah. million cap hit next year in 2021. Let's be clear, because I think there's confusion between next, next yeah, year. We're I, talking I think, about literally yeah. in four months next year. 19 million yeah. cap hit. What new GM is going to want to come in, trade away one of the most well-liked players in this team, in that locker room, and then himself take on a 19 million cap hit? It's, it's expensive. And then I, I, I really think the only way Stafford gets moved, and I think there's almost no chance he gets cut, um, this offseason is if they get a very, very, very lucrative offer. If they get yeah. a, a first and a second round pick, I would say you have to consider that. Absolutely have to consider that. Yeah. But and like as I you said, said, like his this value, injury might, yeah, I mean, it, but I didn't think his value was, I, I think because of his contract, I didn't think he was great value to trade to begin with anyway. Like there is definitely, I, I noticed a lot of guys, I did notice a lot of guys in sports media who have been kind of dunking on Stafford for all these years, suddenly warming up to this idea, oh, he'd be great on this team or that team or the other team. But at the same time, I, I just never saw the logistic, logistics working out to the point that I think the Lions, like, yeah, if you, if you can get some value for him, you get some value for him, Jeremy. But I think at the end of the day, unless you're getting back primo value, it's going to not look like a great trade for the lions. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it I, that, that's, that's what it is, but I've always held this idea because again, the other factor, again, not a great, lot of quarterbacks in this draft and you're not in a good position in the draft to go after them. And whoever comes in, it, you're going to need a stopover year with Stafford as your quarterback. And if you want to really tank it, I would hope maybe like you take Stafford versus, I mean, for me as a fan, I'd rather see Stafford under center next year if we're going to kind of suck and kind of faff about versus watching Chase Daniel under center. Unless, because I'm I'm also not a tank guy either, though. So, I mean, I think if you are a tank guy, maybe you want Chase Daniel under center, but... Or David Blau. Um, Blau! But I, I think there's a couple points to make here. The first is, this doesn't take quarterback off the table to me for the draft at all. I think I think they probably no, keep still Stafford. It's still a need, and it if you're if you're in the top six, top seven, which is certainly possible if the Lions lose out and you find a guy that, that you like, yeah, you pull you pull the trigger. But I'm also what you said earlier, I, I'm a full proponent of you don't throw a rookie into the fire like that because this team is a fire. His the defense is a fire. The but offensive what? line still has a couple pieces to figure out. So you keep Stafford for around for a year. You 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 braise your your rookie in in, in some juices on, during 2021. Then Stafford's contract becomes very very movable in 2021. And so if he doesn't lead the team to a playoff win in in, in I'm sorry in 2022, if he doesn't lead the team to a playoff and win in 2021, then you trade him 
Yes, you're not going to get as much as you probably could get this offseason, but then you got your rookie quarterback there ready to go and hopefully a better team around him by the time 2022 comes around. Yeah, and listen, uh, I just I, I I will say this for any kind of quarterback that does come in, you at least, like you mentioned the offensive line, there's a couple pieces of fix there, but Decker, Ragnow, Jonah Jackson is a decent core enough to start sure. with right there. Yep. That's enough to kind of keep you protected. There's some deep, we'll have to see what the wide receiver options are going to be, but you're going to have a tight end, TJ Hawkinson, which is also going to help you on block, pass blocking, and also a threat himself. Who knows what you get with DeAndre Swift? Like, the offense is in a good place where you can get a quarterback and plug in, but I also believe that right now I would make the defense the priority in this draft just because, god damn, I am so tired of not having a pass rush. Jeremy, I, mean, I, I, I'm, I'm losing my mind. You're, there's that no the f- question. No question. Defense needs to be priority, but it, I, mean, you, I mean, it's all about just having the right guys in the right spot. I, I am of the belief, like, you have a top seven pick, you have to hit on a top impact position right and quarterback is obviously at the top of that list wide receiver i think is up there and obviously a pass rusher is but there needs to be the correct player there right like there needs to be the elite talent and i'm not about to dip my foot into some of the players that i like in the nfl draft because i'm just not prepared to do so there's way too much happening right now we don't even have a gm so we don't even know what kind of defense we're going to run any of that sort of stuff um but if there's not an elite pass rusher there at seven i don't i wouldn't mind them going wide receiver I wouldn't mind them going quarterback. No, they've got multiple. They've got multiple things. I wouldn't even mind a linebacker at this point. We got to fix with the linebackers at some. But point. that I, that's just a little high for a linebacker. You'd have to get a very, that's very true. good that's three true. down linebacker. Uh, you know, unless you unless the lines trade down. We haven't even done right. our, our our annual trade are we, up, trade are down. We already, talk. Are we already trying to, to let's let's accumulate picks, guys? We only yeah, got five picks, picks in the draft. We got to trade down. Got to trade down. I hold all these picks. <laughs> Why can't I hold all of them? Yeah. But no, so, I, I mean, from a fan perspective, it would suck if this is the last game for Stafford. Um, because, I mean, God, this is kind of the hard legacy about it. I've, I've even heard some people saying that he's going to get Hall of Fame votes now, which I, I don't know if Stafford will get Hall of Fame votes. To me, he's Hall of Very Good. He'll be a Lions Ring of Honor name yeah, uh, whenever he's done with the Lions. It's unequivocal that he is the best quarterback the Lions have ever had, period. Yes, even better than Bobby Lane, because I'm sorry, Bobby Lane, Bobby Lane played quarterback in the 50s. Like, you, 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 I, I've seen tape of Bobby Lane throwing. It's ducks. It's all ducks back then. But that's how you could play at quarterback in the bloody 50s. So Stafford, best quarterback the Lions have had hands down. That doesn't automatically mean that he's one of the great, like greatest across the leagues. It's just shallow pool a little bit sometimes when it comes to the lions and yeah, yeah I, I don't know, man, it, it, it would suck because as you say, it's a stability that the lions have had at that position, something they've never really had for a very long time. And it's kind of hard. It's hard to replace. It's a little easier now to replace it. There's a lot of hope in replacing it. And you just hope that you kind of swing and hit on the right one. And I think whoever comes in and we're going to talk about general manager here soon too. You've got to really that that is going to be your priority, man. I think I and and if if Stafford is done as lion too, I think that shifts who who is going to be among the head coaching candidates because I think the shift might swing towards you want to find someone who is going to develop and nurture a young quarterback. First and foremost, I think it was always going to be part of the equation for whoever the Lions hire as their as their head coach because the reality of Stafford's age and his contract and how many years he really had left here. But at the same time, I think it becomes a higher priority if Stafford ends the season on the IR. And that and that leads I mean, we we had the conversation um on, on Thursday about Brian Dable. That's exactly what the Bills did and, and it's paying off with Josh Allen. Um yeah, in, go back and listen right to that. Now, but, like, Dable has been doing just God's work, turning but, Josh Allen, which draft Twitter still hates irrationally, but they've turned Josh Allen into a fantastic weapon. But yeah, back back to Stafford for now. Um, I mean, if I, I hate even bringing it up because one, I don't think it's going to happen, and two, it it would be too painful for this to be his swan song with Detroit. But it, in essence, it, it perfectly encapsulates his time here. Is that he he went down swinging. He went down, you know, throwing caution into the wind, running, scrambling for a, a five-yard run in what 
was probably going to be a a, a wasted effort to to try to save a game in which again the defense let him down in a season in which the defense let him down a season in which the coaches let him down and 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 rung him in when he needed to be let loose. That's the story of Matthew Stafford in Detroit. There, there were flashes mm-hmm. of of coaches and and moments of brilliance where it was just like let him just throw the ball five hundred times rack up 5,000 yards, and let's at least get to the playoffs. And he did multiple times. He brought the Lions back to relevancy for 10 years, and then it was all taken away by stupid coaches, by shitty defenses, and he's going to be left with a, a legacy of him essentially putting the team on his back and breaking his back for this team. And I, I don't want to you know, write his eulogy right now because there's, there's a lot to still happen. But that's how I'm going to remember Matthew Stafford as a guy who took this franchise on its back, threw caution into the wind, threw his own body on the line, played some really freaking entertaining football and and made the lines fun to watch again. But unfortunately, everyone around him let him down and it, it sucks. Yeah, listen, I'm not going to write the eulogy, as you're saying. Um, I think there are some blemishes to that. Stafford's decision making sometimes, especially early on, was never great. Um, and it always seemed that he would kind of turn it on too little too late in some games where he was struggling. And there were some years where the rest of the team, like 2014 always sticks out to me where he's That's like, the only year though. That's the only year. Sure. That sure. But that was also the year defense. where he had the best shot. Like and all the, coaches the, let the, him down. The, the argument was always that. Like, yeah, 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 we can we can talk about Joe Lombardi, I guess. I don't know. Well, but either I'm, way, I'm I, I want to look more towards this year. And even I would say to someone, I'm not as doom and gloom about Jeremy, because I think even if the Lions shut him down to end the year, still a good chance we might see him back. Because, listen, the oh, last yeah, three games, the Lions have Titans, Bucks, Vikings. Two teams with incredibly strong defenses. Three, really? I mean, three, the Vikings I guess, aren't what yeah, they yeah. used to be, but the Vikings sure, always sure. seem to have the Lions number. Yeah, they, it, it, it hurts to play the Vikings, that's for sure. But I mean, and again, if you are of the mind that, hey, maybe we just shut it down for draft position. I know the coaching staff, they're they're playing for, you know, to do this audition thing and everything. And there's no one in the front office who can kind of supersede them to shut players down and preserve them for the next season. Uh, I get that, but I think it, I mean, if, if it does happen, it might honestly be for the benefit of whoever comes in next because you avoid it. And I mean, listen, we're still waiting for the results back on, on Stafford. Ultimately, it's kind of one of these things where we've got to do this, kind of do this live and expect, uh, expect the chips to kind of fall as we're thinking. So I, I know every time Stafford has been getting hit the last six weeks or whatever, I've seen people kind of hold their breaths every time and yeah, I get it. But uh, I feel like we should move on. Oh, sorry, you got really one more? quick before we had to break. Yeah. Um, just even even without putting the long term into perspective right now, the short term is what really kind of bothers me because the lines have been fun to watch the last two weeks. And Matthew Stafford has played an integral part in that. We saw what this team looks like with backup quarterbacks last year. It's not fun because the defense is still going to suck. And now the offense is probably going to suck now, too. And so we have to now sit through three games against teams in the playoff hunt with, uh, again, assuming Matthew Stafford is out for at least a game or two, probably the entire season means we we have to sit and watch David Blauer. We have to sit and watch Chase Daniel try. Keep keep his name out of your lips. He did have a rushing touchdown wiped out. No, he didn't. Oh, he had a wiped out. Wiped out by a, by a, that is, that is real. That is the real ref conspiracy. There is a holding call to wipe out the glory of chase Daniel running it in for a touchdown to do some late game freaking heroics for you. He did. He did to give him credit. He had one very good throw to Marvin Jones on the third. Yeah. He had a decent drive. Yeah. Yeah. That that, that was like that, that and the rushing touchdown that was wiped out. That was the day for giving credit for a run that didn't happen. I, I will, Um, (laughs) but yeah, it it just means like termination. It means essentially not only is the season over in terms of the playoff race, it means the fun is over. We're probably not going to enjoy these last three games much if Matthew Stafford can't come back, which means we're just going to be talking about GM and coaching stuff basically for the rest of the yeah, season. And I'm sure I'm sure the killjoys among the tank uh, among Team Lions tank will be cheering for that to have him shut down. But I mean, I've got I've got three more sleepless Sundays to go and I'd rather have some cool fun with them rather than just being like, ah, here we go. We got to talk about Chase Daniel or David Blau. Like. I I don't think any of us win 
I really don't. Except for you guys who are like looking at Tankathon and nervously trying to figure out where the chips lie. But let's take a break. I think I want to talk about the general manager coming up here. Um, we've been, if you've been following the Pride of Detroit POD cast feed, we've done, I think, two podcasts now, technically three podcasts with the list cast on head coaching ideas. So we did the list cast with, you know, we each gave, you know, our top three coaching candidates for the Lions. And we've talked to people about uh robert Saleh, and we've talked to uh the athletic about brian dable and i think we might have some more coming up here and it might have to go and invite a friend to shut down the very idea of harbaugh as a specific podcast nope nope (laughs) no but i'm saying i'm bringing him on to say no let's not do harbaugh okay is it is it a 10 second podcast where he just says no and then we hang up I think I think you've got to win people over on this a little bit jeremy i don't think anyone in lion's land is even considering harbaugh Okay. <laughs> but I anyways, yeah. But there was some I, GM way, news that well, we're we going to talk news. about. We want to talk about that. Yes. So real quick, take a break, settle everyone down, and we'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Wrapping up the Pride of Detroit POD cast, uh, just throwing this one in the bin. But I do want to talk, Jeremy. We had some news out today. Uh, we, as as I said before the break, we've talked quite a bit about the coaching search the Lions will have to do eventually, because I think that's where that's where we can jump on a little bit easier talking about head coaches and yep. the candidates are a little more apparent versus what is for a general manager for whatever reason in the NFL, it's not a general manager driven league, like say the NBA is or baseball is in those sports, those general managers, you have good ideas of who good general managers are. I don't even know. Aside from the name, Jed York, I know Trent bulky, Jed York's an owner. See, like, just like that. I get, I get GMs confused, but uh, there is some interesting news coming out about the lions uh, the first bit is that unlike last time, the Lions are not using a search firm. Uh, a lot of other NFL teams are using a search firm. It's league controlled and everything. But uh, I mean, last year, you know, remember, I mean, last time around, the Lions got a search firm. They they went and got Eric Acorsi to Ernie. consult, Ernie Acorsi to consult. Uh, Martha Firestone Ford leaned on him pretty heavily. And Ernie was the one who who suggested uh, Bob Quinn, which led us then to Matt Patricia. The Lions are not using a search firm now. So I'm kind of curious how you feel first about that. And then we'll talk about uh, the other two points here. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think <laughs> it, it, it does feel like anytime news about the GGM search hits, there's like two opposite, very emotional reactions. One, when when they say they're not using a GM, they're not using a, a search firm for a GM search. One half is like, Thank God they learned their lesson. Didn't use a GM search. It's it's all going to be great. You know, Sheila's totally different. Everything's great. And then there's the other like, they're not using a search firm. Those idiots, that they're not doing their due diligence. They're just going to hire someone internally and it's all going to be terrible. And Lions lose SOL, SOL, SOL. It's like, all right, everyone calm down. First of all, search firms, turns out, probably not all that useful. They, they, they give you names that everyone is already already th- getting, giving you names that basically we're already all putting on websites. Um, yeah, listen, and, you can listen to our podcast to read Ryan Matthews article on pride of and exactly. that's just as good as a search firm. <clears throat> um, but overall, yeah, I, I guess I'm glad that they're not wasting their money. That's it. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, it's not I my don't, money. I don't care what they do with it. I don't feel that strongly about them not choosing not to use a search for me. It is a bit surprising because Martha Ford, I'm sorry, Sheila Ford said in her, uh, in her opening, um, 
press conference after the firings that she expected to. She thought they probably would. Um, but to me, maybe that maybe since that she learned like, oh, I don't need to. Like I, I, I did research on search firms and realized, you know what? I'm better off without him. And, and I'm, I'm okay with that. That's fine. And I don't think anyone should really get in histrionics about it either way. Yeah. Um, and already, even without the search firm, we've seen some candidates come out. Uh, I mean, I remember, I think it was Jason Lockenfora, and then I know David Burkett corroborated this, but uh, Jerry Reese, former mm-hmm. Giants general manager, he's kind of come out as a leading name and everything. Depends where you ask about that era of Giants football. That could be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you feel about his track record there. Now, to your point about the people who are hating on the move, though, to not use the search firm. This is the bait for those people. This is the uh, chum in the water for those people in that the Lions are apparently going to be interviewing three internal candidates. They already did. For the yes. general, for, they've already conducted interviews yes. with three internal candidates for the general manager position. Yes. And let me throw out their names really quick. Uh, Vice President of Player Personnel, Kyle O'Brien. Director of per- Player Personnel, Lance Newmark, and the Director of Pro Scouting, Rob Lohman. Now, of those guys, Kyle O'Brien is the highest. He's basically like the, the assistant general manager. He's the Deutsch Schrute of, of the office. He's the assistant to the general manager. Now, all three of these guys are essentially working together as general manager with Rod Wood, which everyone seems very, very pleased about, but we don't need to get into that in this podcast. Um, O'Brien... Came from the Patriots, but he's also worked with the, the Chiefs, the Jaguars. He's only been in since 2000. He's only been with the Lions since 2019. So um, doesn't have a lot of Lions stink on him, but he does obviously come from the Patriots. And I think that might be a reason some people worry about him. But again, kind of has, you know, long tenure um, in the NFL in these kind of personnel decision departments. So you're getting a guy with a lot of experience, no GM experience, but a lot of experience both on the pro and college side makes a lot of sense to at least give that guy an interview. Lance Newmark is one that probably won't be popular with Lions fans, considering he spent 23 of his 25 years in the NFL right here in Detroit. And we all know how that has seemingly worked out in the past 23 years. Not so well. But again, he's a guy that has um, experience on both the pro and college scouting side of things. Lowman, also kind of a longtime um, employee with the Lions. He's been here 14 years, so maybe a little bit more of the successful years. Um, and, and I'm using successful very relatively um, for, for Detroit. Uh, but again, mostly on the college side, uh, but now he's the director of pro scouting. So again, both sides. All to say, everyone relax. You can pretty much only interview internal candidates right now and the lines would be wise to do it one just to see who they have two to see what went wrong i mean why not just talk to these guys and be like all right what where did we mess up in these past five years what did bob quinn do wrong that you would have done differently all that sort of information is valuable to this franchise and so this is the first step of a gm search right now when a mid-season GM search. You got to talk to the guys that are inside the building to see if what I mean, you could also be interviewing to see if they're worth keeping around once you hire a general manager. And listen, like I I think I think we are in this. This is a this is an awkward place to be, because I know like if you're at your own job and your boss above you gets fired and you apply for that job because you think you can do a better job than he did. Like you don't want to be you don't you don't want other people to say, well, you obviously can't do the job because your boss was an idiot and got fired like that's that's not a stain you want on you so i i do want to push back on it and i don't feel like we can just take all of bob quinn's failures and say that's also the fault of everyone who is beneath him either i'd like to at least talk to those people i'd like to see what they're about i'd like to i'd like to get you know what they're about what their ideas would be maybe maybe someone in the organization had good ideas who just wasn't being listened to it happens we don't need to throw out everything we don't need to defenestrate everyone (laughs) just when the king is thrown out too like that's that's something that makes me a little uncomfortable when i see the revulsion at this idea that the lions are interviewing internal candidates because again if this was at your job and your boss got fired and he was a crappy boss and you applied for his position because you would want to move up you don't want someone telling you, oh, you're just like your boss. No, you you know that you're different from that. That's very you would you would recognize that immediately. That's very unfair to me. And I want to I, I, so I want to push back on that a little bit. I'm, I don't think everyone who's at who works in the Lions front office is some just schmuck who can't draft right. linebackers. That's that's I mean, not fair. 
it's also good practice, right? If you're treating your own yes. employees like, hey, you guys deserve an interview, that gets noticed. That's the kind of things yes. where it's like, okay, this isn't a shit organization that treats their Culture. employees like garbage. Culture is important, especially when you're about to go on a hiring search for a bunch of people. That sort of stuff gets noticed. We're like, okay, that's fair for you to give these guys a chance. And do I think any of these guys have a realistic chance at winning the job? Probably not. Do I think? I, I think Kyle O'Brien probably has the best shot because he's got a pretty deep resume and, and he's been around some successful organizations, not just the Patriots. Um, and, and, and clearly he knows, you know, what, what the lines are all about right now. And, and you'd hope, you'd hope he has some different ideas. Like you said, maybe, maybe he just wasn't being heard enough. Maybe, maybe he had an impact. Maybe he didn't want to get Jeff Okuda. Maybe he didn't want to get TJ Hawkinson. He wanted to get a more impactful position. Maybe those things happened. And he just didn't get listened to. And so yeah. you do your due diligence here. You, you see what you got and you see, you know, maybe if these are guys that you want to have in the building, um, even if they're not for necessarily the general manager job, because guess what? When you go through a new general manager, you don't overhaul everything. You don't change every single regional scout, all that sort of stuff. You have to keep some of those guys around because you're not going to be able to replace them. In, in all, it's a huge like, part of the organization. It yeah. employs a lot of people to do a lot of different things. Exactly. Some of these scouts who are with the lions, they've been through multiple front offices. Ab- most some of them. these guys, some of most these guys probably remember Matt Millen and they've been there since. Doesn't the, mean they're bad at their job. You can't just take, you know, Ed Dodds and just like bring the entire Seahawks organization or wherever he is now. You can't have them just like, I'm going to take all of your regional scouts. Like, no, you have to keep some guys <laughs> no. inside the building, at least in your first year, and then just kind of rotate them in. So lines yeah, are doing the due diligence. All to say that the lines are doing their due diligence, which is absolutely what they should be doing, what every team will be doing at this point if they're looking for a general manager. And don't get mad. Who cares? Yeah. And to be honest, like, is every guy outside the organization that great too? like, I see Jerry Reese as, you know, one of these early names. And all I think about is God, the, it ended badly for the Giants. The Jerry Giants, Reese. the Giants drafting under Jerry Reese is not particularly good. I know they won two <laughs> Super Bowls, but one was in Reese's first year, which is how much, I mean, how much credit are you going to give a GM in his first year for building an entire team? Like, no, mm-hmm. they probably came in with a pretty, some pretty good foundations if they went to a Super Bowl in his first year. Um, but yeah, and then like you said, it, things turned sour quite quickly. Not a lot of great. Um, I mean, we had two years with with Jerry Reese deciding Ben McAdoo should be your uh, head coach in, in New York, too. So, I right. mean, there you go. So, OK, one of the other interesting stories, and we'll wrap with this one here, Jeremy, um, is that, as I said, they're not using a search firm. They're not using a search firm. However, uh, Mike Disner is a big name that has kind of come up. He is uh, he is he's been with Detroit for about 14 years. He's he's uh, pretty no, he's been big in Detroit when, since 2019 since he's 2019 been the NFL, since. NFL for 14. I'm sorry. Yes. I, this is going to get us another one star review. Um, <laughs> but no, like he, he so he joined the team earlier. Yeah. In 2019, he was uh, he's kind of a cap. He's a, he's a cap guru kind of guy. Yep. He has a lot of expertise in contract negotiations. And I think he's going to be a big part of whatever comes next, because I think we've talked about this enough this season. Some of it is going to come up like and maybe this is part for Disney, but like Kenny Galladay's contract never got resolved and probably has to be resolved uh, going into the free agency period. And we've talked about this before. A lot of other guys from the Boston boys are on these short term contracts. They're on a couple of them are on sweeter contracts, but the Lions are going to have to overhaul a lot of these contracts or cut a lot of these contracts to afford themselves the space they're going to need to make this rebuild happen in a reasonable period of time. Yeah. And I mean, the contract stuff will come and I don't know if Disney's going to be around or not. It sounds like he's going to be around in some capacity because essentially as Dave Burkett put, he expects Disney to be a big part of their general manager search. He expects him to have a big input there, which means he's probably going to stick around. Um, That to me is good news. It's mostly good news. This is a guy who's had really kind of an illustrious NFL career. He spent, again, started with the Patriots, but only for a couple of years. Then he actually moved to the NFL side of things where he kind of worked on, you know, working out like the collective bargaining agreement, working out like the the weird NFL rules on their side. Then he went over to the Cardinals and the Cardinals had a nice stretch in, in the 2010s, 2000, oh, up to the 2000, 
2020s basically was their kind of cap guru for a while. So he knows the ins and outs of, of what it is to be a general manager on the contractual side of things. He's seen what it looks like from the talent development as well. And so, I mean, all that to say the Lions have someone that knows how a football team works helping them make decisions on a general manager. It's not just Sheila Ford Hamp and Rod Wood. And to me, that that's a little bit relaxing. It's he, he's a kind bit, of he's kind of playing the role of Ernie Acorsi did. A little bit, last, yeah. In, in, in last, not as overarching. He's not the consultant that Acorsi was, but he's also the other guy in the room alongside the Fords and Rod Wood. Yeah, and that and 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 you know, I went on this podcast a couple weeks back when Sheila Ford Hamp had that press conference said like it doesn't sound like she has a plan it sounds like rod wood and her are, are gonna make this decision and rod wood and 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 uh martha ford made a decision five years ago and it didn't work out and now they're screwed again now it sounds like they at least have a third person in this ear who knows what it's like to build a football team he knows what it's like to to work with several kind of gms he's he's got connections and so to me, that's that's a little dismantling, not dismantling. It's a little relieving. And does it mean they're, they're going to get it right? Obviously, we don't know that yet. But just to have a, a third person in that room to, to help them through the search that isn't Ernie Acorsi uh, makes me feel kind of OK. Yeah, yeah. Makes makes you feel a little better about it. I absolutely agree on that. Yeah. And so you're left with the GM search that. I think the next step, where do we go from here, is is maybe in the even in the next week or two, we could hear some some completed interviews for some guys that don't have jobs yet. Because lines, let's be clear, the reason why they're interviewing their internal guys is because you can't interview anyone who currently holds a job with the team until the regular season is over. Yeah, so it's either former guys like again Jerry Reese or it's internal guys. That's that's all you can really do right now. And so you know, just throwing random names out here, you Lewis Riddick fans. That could certainly come next. I mean, you might as well interview the guy. Sure. Sounds like maybe he's interested. We'll we'll see. Uh, Thomas Dermitroff, the Falcons GM that was fired earlier this season, might be a little quick to give him a retread try already, but I know Schlitt is a big fan over there at Lionswire. I, I, I think that Falcons team has had a lot of talent for a long time, and I certainly don't think the reason why they struggle right now is talent. I think the coaching on that team was garbage. Uh, as soon as they let Kyle Shanahan go, we saw that offense take a big step uh, step away. They, they, they chose wrong at, at coach there, and so we'll, we're seeing kind of uh, the mistakes there. But in terms of talent, I think the Falcons have been great. So Dimitrov is, is a name in which you could see in the next week or two. There's also a bunch of other guys, but for now. No, um, no, 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 no love for Chris Spielman. You can no, talk to Chris Spielman right now. No, nope, nope. Nope. He's not <laughs> a general manager. Good. You've learned your damn lesson. I, I hope other people do. Let's, soon let's too. just take another Matt Millen. Uh, let's take another linebacker out of the, the freaking the booth and just the booth. throw him in there. Yeah. It's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. guess what? The only, apparently the only people in the world who can pull that off are the Raiders. And uh, last I checked it, it's not the Detroit Raiders. Plus Matt Millen was a Raider. So that too. Yeah. I'm just saying it's apparently working out right now for the Raiders. Who, who knows for how much longer? Either way, it's you can't have that luck as the Lions. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us. As you said, there's 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 a lot we've got to work out through this week. We're kind of sitting upon the precipice. If you're listening to this when it comes out on Monday, you know, it's going to be a pretty busy week here for the Lions. So make sure to be reading Pride of Detroit, Pride of Detroit dot com. Subscribe to the to the podcast feed on your favorite podcast platforms. Follow us on Twitch. Follow us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Pride of Detroit. We're going to get you all the information you need because, oh boy, going into the next game against the Titans, a lot of storylines to be covered, a lot of things to be resolved, a lot more storylines will develop and just kind of throw themselves out. You know, we're going to have to see about Stafford's health. We're going to have to see about more general manager uh, candidates coming up. We're going to have another interview, probably some more head coaching, hunting and trying to get those names out for you guys. And uh, we're just going to be busy, man. That's what it is. This is our time to shine. No playoffs, but uh, plenty of work to be done. So for myself, for Jeremy Reisman, catch Jeremy on Twitter at Detroit online, find myself, Chris Perfett at Chris Perfett on Twitter, P E R F E T T. And we are done here. Pride of Detroit PODcast number 500 and something is in the books. And folks, we will see you starside. Oh.